magic lamp. Wonder what happens when I rub it. You have awakened me. I shall grant you three wishes. My first wish is for economic development. My second wish is to save hours of travel time. And my third wish is to create safer roads. You could have just wished for bus rapid transit and gotten all these things with one wish. Make all your transit wishes come true. Learn more about bus rapid transit at indigo.net slash bus dash rapid dash transit. Crime. Punishment, judges, legal stuff. Uh, how about the Joe Biden impeachment inquiry? That's still going on. They are uh, getting ready to question the, this guy, this Matt Graves guy, this federal prosecutor, um, the, uh, the, the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C., played a role in the Hunter Biden case. Um, it's going to sit for a voluntary interview, or I said, I should say, uh, played lack of a role because the, the IRS whistleblowers accused this guy, this U.S. attorney Graves, of refusing to work with with Weiss, the prosecutor, the federal prosecutor on this case. So this guy was involved in IRS whistleblower testimony. And by the way, all this stuff is going to be behind closed doors. Of course. A couple things here. Number one, this is not the Matthew Graves that was a star of Indiana high school basketball and (laughs) went on to play for Butler. This is not that Matthew Graves. And number two, this, in theory, should have been one of the big headlines on this news day today. Instead, the Republicans are fighting with each other, and this story is kind of an afterthought. And look, we're just as guilty But the real reality is the bigger story right now is the infighting between the Republicans in the House, Gates against McCarthy, and they missed a big opportunity to have the news cycle cover the Biden crime family because it was a big day for the Biden crime family. So you've got the impeachment inquiry uh, questioning Graves here. And then you've got the crack-smoking son, Hunter. (laughs) Hunter Biden pled not guilty to federal charges of lying on an application to buy a gun back in 2018. Apparently, you're not allowed to be a crackhead and buy a gun. And he went out and wrote a book and said, yeah, I was a crackhead back in 2018 and bought a gun. (laughs) It's shocking that a bad decision came from (laughs) Hunter Biden. Uh, Catherine Herridge of CBS News, she was inside the courtroom today when Hunter Biden made his appearance. This was an extraordinary scene that unfolded in the courthouse behind me, the son of a sitting president facing felony gun charges. As Hunter Biden entered the courtroom on the second floor, he passed by me. I was no more than about five feet away. And there was a sense of nervous energy, a a nervous smile, a sense of real apprehension as we headed into the proceeding. It lasted about 20 minutes. The federal judge asked the president's son if he understood the charges, the potential serious penalties, and that he had a right to remain silent. And to each, he responded with a strong and soft voice, yes, your honor. And when it came time to enter the plea, that was done by his attorney, Abby Lowell, who said Mr. Biden pleads not guilty to the three charges. And after that court appearance, Hunter Biden went home and took a very bizarre picture in his underpants and a scarf. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. He's done it before. I thought maybe he did it again. I have it. It's my screensaver on my desktop. (laughs) 
there's a lot of interesting photos of a uh, hunter from some of the stuff that's leaked out there. Which one's your favorite? The one with him and his tidy whities in the scarf, smoking the cigarette, and then the one where he's just passed out with the crack pipe laying out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty strong. The one where he's laying in the bathtub with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth as well. Right. Just, I mean, disheveled and high and hungover and who knows what the hell else. So, <laughs> so the question now becomes, what's next in regards to the Hunter Biden illegal gun purchase story? The next date on the calendar is early November, and we're already getting a sense of the defense team's strategy. They indicated to the court that they will file a motion to dismiss, and they are going to question whether one of the charges is constitutional, a charge that would ban a drug user from owning and obtaining a weapon in the United States. What's striking to me is that just two months ago, Hunter Biden entered this courthouse with a degree of optimism and a lot of confidence. But as we saw that plea deal collapse and I was inside that courtroom, what we see now is that the chapter is not closing for Hunter Biden or for his family or for his father, the president. Well, we've talked about that part where she mentioned the constitutionality of a, a drug user owning a gun with Guy Relford. And he told us that, uh, you, know, you know, Guy Relford's a 2A attorney. He said Hunter's uh, defense might have a point there. Right. And, um, and you could go back and listen to that conversation. But I'd love it because one of the conditions of uh, a hunter as you know as he was released was that he has to find a job you know no drug use none of the, you know no getting into any trouble anything like that and you have to find a job all challenging uh, 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 things for hunter biden <laughs> all challenging things but wait a minute doesn't he have multiple jobs i mean isn't that where all this money is coming from don't the bidens oh, sure. have all these companies apparently where money can be funneled from oligarchs overseas they're probably going to say his job is artist seriously because he's sold hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of art to who the hell knows and it all sucks yeah Every bit of it sucks, yeah, but because it's Hunter, people are paying half a mil for it, and then that money is being divided upon, among his dad, the big guy, there's you know a sister-in-law, there's an uncle, there's grandkids getting money from this, and all the while, the big guy's the one providing the access. Uh, we're doing some legal stuff here. Let's focus on some crime in major cities. Last night, a Democrat rep from Texas... A guy by the name of Henry Collier was carjacked at gunpoint outside of his apartment building in Washington, D.C. Now, he's safe, but according to reports, several men held guns to this representative's head before taking his phone and his car. So that's what's happening in our nation's capital. I'm assuming that's a random act, right? I don't, was he targeted specifically because he was a... A representative. A right on, he was targeted because he was outside in Washington, D.C. <laughs> now, keep in mind, one, point, uh, sorry. 173, that's the number, 173 House Democrats voted just a couple months ago against overturning D.C. laws that lowered the penalty for carjackers. Wow. There was a bill out there that would have made it, you know, tough for carjackers and lawmakers. They don't want any part of that. Saying they are, they are nuts. They are lunatics. So now Washington wow. D.C. is on pace to have one thousand carjackings this year alone. Members of Congress can't even go home 
without the threat of being carjacked at gunpoint in our nation's capital. So I will see Washington, D.C., and I'm going to raise you Philadelphia, which has been in the news for all the wrong reasons when it comes to crime and punishment. This very leftist journalist, his name is Josh Kruger. He was tragically shot and killed in his Philadelphia home. Now, that's disgusting. I pray for his family. I hate that. But this is also the guy that would always downplay how violent it was in Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, he would troll and chastise people who spoke out about it. He was basically that guy on social media that would always say, my house is fine. I ate dinner downtown last night. I can sit outside and have a beer. No one's trying to kill me, which doesn't mean that it's not happening. And ultimately, it did happen to him. Boy, that's that's an awful story. Uh, I take no enjoyment whatsoever out of that. And we've gotten blowback like that before when we talk about violence in Indy. And we'll get a random picture of some guy sitting out on Mass Ave in the middle of the afternoon with a beer. Everything's fine here to me. What the hell are you guys talking about? I mean, those are serious troll tweets right. that we received. Just because it's not happening yeah. to you right then and there doesn't mean it's not happening somewhere in the city of Indianapolis. And that was this guy. This guy was, yeah. if he were alive, would be somebody that would send us that troll type of tweet talking about how safe it is and all you angry right-wingers, you say everything's violent because you're racist. Well, ultimately it got him. And you're right, we take no joy in this story, but maybe this is a reminder to all the trolls that, hey, this stuff does happen. Or to all the people that genuinely believe that like this reporter did, that, oh, nothing's wrong. Not only the trolls, but there are people that genuinely believe it's overblown. Looking at some numbers for our city here in Indy, since we're talking about crime in Indy, so far, 731 people shot, 161 stabbed, with 169 killed. So when you look at the numbers here, that's 892 people that were either shot or stabbed and 169 homicides in 275 days. A person is killed every 39 hours right now in Indianapolis, and that's 3.24 people who are shot or stabbed every day in our capital city. Indianapolis on pace once again for 200-plus homicides for the fourth straight year. All right, but we're not breaking any records, Hammer. Hey, it's not an all-time record. It's top four. It's top five, but it's not an all-time record. So when you hear Joe Hogsett stumble up to that microphone and slur through his speech talking about how crime is down, it's down compared to the record level that he was also in charge of. Four straight years on pace right now this year for 200-plus homicides. 200-plus homicides cannot be the norm in this city, especially when you see the numbers from places like Boston and what they're doing yeah. with crime. Yeah, their goal by 2025 in Boston, I believe the Reverend Charles Harrison, 10-point uh, coalition, um, the, the president of the 10-point coalition told us that Boston's goal is to have no more than 30 homicides in their city by the year 2025. 30! 
And we're creeping up on 200 here. For the fourth this, straight year. For the fourth straight year. Democrat leadership in Boston, what's different? What are they doing so different that we're not doing here? Is their mayor sober? Is that it? It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.